Welcome to the Elephant on the Couch, where we're finally addressing what makes us uncomfortable. This is a judgment-free space designed to finally help the elephant in the room get on the couch and start the conversation. So join us. Let's get that elephant on the couch and let's get uncomfortable. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Elephant on the Couch. I am your host, Tanya. And I am your co-host, Dulce. Ba, 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 ba. Do you have sound effects for your own? I know. <laughs> I always feel so awkward when I say I'm your co-host Dulce because I feel like it has a little accent to it. Like, I'm your co-host Dulce. Like, na 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 na. Okay. <laughs> I guess yeah. we'll have to come up with uh, something. So mine doesn't have like a... No, you like say it just like, I'm your co-host Tanya. And it sounds great, but I'm... I don't know what it is with me saying my name, but it just has like a dun da 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 Like you have to make up for Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not really sure what that's all about, but I don't know if you guys noticed that I keep trying to be like, your co-host, Dulce. Like without the Dulce. I don't know. I'm your co-host, Dulce. Yeah, like it sounds like da na 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 Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Welcome back. Welcome back to the mess. Welcome back, people. Happy Mexican Independence Day. Or what was it, La Revolución? No, pendeja, la Independence Day. <laughs> Independence No. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Septiembre okay. es la independencia. Oh, my God. I'm taking her Mexican card away, guys. <laughs> but I just got it back the other day. <laughs> taking I, it back. Didn't I get it back the other day? No, Independence Day. Yes, we just had Independence Day, Mexico. Whoop, whoop. I even posted a picture of myself as like dressed like the Adelita. Did you see that? Did you dress up? Well, or no, was, was this like an old ass? Oh, kindergarten. Oh, no. <laughs> I saw so many beautiful pictures of little girls on my timeline with their Mexican dresses. That, that I was thought, me too. Probably I thought you them. were a child of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't dress up as Treya, but I definitely dressed up. I was Yourself? wearing. Yeah, I like went to work with like. My two trenzas that are like Frida Kahlo signature, you know, mm-hmm. like up in my head. And right. then I had my Frida Kahlo earrings and then my embroidered top. Mexican. Mexican top. Mm-hmm. Cute. <laughs> Let's celebrate a Mexican as well, it can get. I'm working from home, so I didn't get ready like that. So you still have clients that see you. Hello. Yeah, that's a lot of effort. Oh, Lord. I don't think I, I owe any Mexican shirts like that. Okay, keep birthday present. Shirt, but... Birthday present, my Yay! <laughs> Remember that coach bag I was going to get you? Psych, you're Psych. getting a Mexican shirt. ¿Cómo se llaman? What are they called? Those Mexican. We keep referring them to Mexican. I don't think, I'm sure they have a name. I don't know, but they're embroidered and beautiful. They're pretty cool. My sister brought us some from somewhere, but I don't know what happened to it. I have it, I'm sure. Actually, now that I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure I do have one. No, your sister's like, yes, I have a suit. No, I do have it. I promise. Lies. <laughs> so how are you Show doing this me. besides the 15 de septiembre celebration and your free Yes, he says de septiembre, Tania. Oh, my Ay, God. Señor. Should we record this? Just kidding. No. <laughs> We're going to wing it. Uh, how am I doing? How are you doing? I am, I, this is going to be a really weird way to, to answer this, but I'm just going to answer it. I am walking through shit right now. (laughs) 
Okay. I think I had this analogy with my therapist and with one of my close friends that it feels like I've been on a pendulum bike since the day I was born. Mm-hmm. Like I've just been like pedaling and pedaling. Like I got my master's. I have a child. I have to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, like I worked and I kept going and I kept going and this happened and that happened, but I kept going and I kept going. And I feel like I'm finally like done with pendling, like you pedaling, off, pedaling. I finally got off the bike. <laughs> and I think I'm like at a peak area, but there's a lot of shit there. Because like in my little ride, I went through shit, but I didn't like it got stuck to my feet and my bike. I'm like taking it really far with this analogy. <laughs> but I finally got here and I'm realizing that my pants have been covered in shit for like X amount of years. I feel like I'm finally in a place where I'm stable like I'm in a good relationship and I have a stable home not that I haven't before but stable home I have a stable job where I get to be who I am Mm -hmm. no red tape I really am like following your analogy like I'm literally picturing you yeah no full of shit shit. (laughs) so I am taking the time to just acknowledge the fact that I have shit all over and that I need to figure out how I'm gonna strip out of it you hear that, guys? This is a mental health professional saying how she's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hire me. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> no, meaning like we all have some shit at some point. In yeah, life. absolutely. But I, I'm at that stage where I feel like I'm recognizing my my faults, recognizing my progress, recognizing where I need to get at, and I'm just sitting on it. Like just, okay, Simmering this is reality. <laughs> That's literally what the answer I gave you. <laughs> Said I'm just standing on shit right now. So, that's yeah, fine. that's my answer. I'm I'm in a space where I'm very uncomfortable, but I think it's necessary. I can imagine sitting in a pile of shit must be really uncomfortable. Yes, thank you, man. <laughs> hey, stinks. That's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> With your uh, stinky ass. <laughs> my stinky ass, indeed. Anyways, how are you? I was almost going to say, I'm doing okay. Ha! I'm proud but of you. But I am. I think I'm good. I just went to visit my parents this past weekend. Speaking of, this is this September. We had some pozole, some tamales. So that's always I'm good. So jelly. And then I got back and everything in my life went to shit because my computer broke down. My car. <laughs> I went to Discount Tires. Shout out Discount Tires if you're listening. My sponsors. Hopefully, <laughs> eventually. Two trips in one week to discount. And I have an appointment for tomorrow. Yeah. Unreal. I'm telling you, Tanya, like, you have to get a cleansing. Like, you're attracting this negative shit, man. I'm not saying it's your fault. You're the one with the shit. (laughs) I'm probably the one that's bringing it into your picture. I don't know at this point. but I don't know, people, but it's a thing. If any of you follow me on social media, like I said last time, you would see me often at Discount Tire. No shame in my game. But, hey, if that's the biggest of my problems, you can deal with it. I can get tired. Is it the biggest I mean, of your problems? <laughs> just kidding. Eventually. For now, I can still afford the tires. I think I'm going to start a GoFundMe <laughs> for tires. Tires for Tanya. Tires for Tanya. It has a good ring to it, too. I like it. We're going to start a campaign over there. Tires for Tanya. TNT. Hashtag tires for Tanya. Donate to my GoFundMe. I'm going to link that to our page. So you mean to tell me we're in a GoFundMe for you, but not a fucking 
Patreon page to get donations for hey, my our tires time. are gonna move me <laughs> to keep recording this podcast. <laughs> so if y'all want content, donate to my GoFundMe for my tires. But it's going good. I, I mean, honestly, it is what it is. I've come to fully accept my tire issue. So it is what it is. We are good. The pile of shit, but we're it's, thriving. It's not a bad pile yeah. of shit. It's just, if it's just shitty, you know? It's not like diarrhea. It's just like <laughs> a good dump. I hope no one out there is eating while listening to this. <laughs> we apologize for that, my my partner over here having fun today tends to do that uh but today we're going to be talking about what you probably know by the title already but we're going to be talking more about feelings question mark question mark i think we're i think it's a it's a mix of what's the what what's the importance of feelings what is that all about and then the big t word therapy oh <laughs> I she, <trauma>. was <laughs> she was lost oh that is a big t big t's little t's big that's t's, definitely t's. That's uh, a trauma term for sure it's a therapist term yeah the big, big t's, t's little, little t's, t's. Mm-hmm. but no i was and talking about therapy tires for time <laughs> talk about t's uh, that's gonna be our our, our title that's talk about title. t's let's talk about t's baby. so so we're going to talk about feelings and probably a mix of different things because we often, I, I, we were talking about this, how to kind of like prepare for this episode, we were talking about how we often reference therapy and we bring up conversations and uh, we try to normalize human struggles and mental health and the importance of acknowledging that, yet we don't really have, we haven't really taken the time to talk about what that means. Right. I feel like every time that we do a episode, we talk about like, well, what can you do about it towards the end, you know, or mm. how is it healthy? Or, you know, like when we do toxic topics, we then maybe do an episode of like healthy topics, but then we don't, I don't think we're like giving you guys the basis of what's normal, quote unquote, or what's mm. typical. Right. Like it's really easy to judge when something is not but then what is typical? What is normal? What's okay? What's yeah. not okay? Which even using that word normal. I know. I hate that word. I hate to use that word during sessions because it's like then. Is it normal? Do you think there's such a thing as normal? Great question. <laughs> I, 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 I tend to use like air quotes. I do that a lot. I, I probably do it all the time when I say the word normal to my clients in session. I always like literally you'll see me do the little air quotes, air quotes because... And I and I make it a point to tell them like normal whatever that means what's normal like I, I bring it right back to like but hey who's the normal police over here who's enforcing the normal right whatever right so I I really even that word is problematic for me not problematic but it's like what does that even mean yeah and I think like culture has a lot to do with what's normal right like yeah here exactly. in the states I think normal is functional. Yeah. Like you function, you are happy. I, I think we talked about that in the dose, like happiness in a box, the happy meal, <laughs> like <laughs> Disneyland, the happy yeah, place. Yeah. Like I think culturally here in America, here in the United States, we get a lot of like normal is functional. Normal is like you're able to work and thrive and make money and be successful and be happy. 
So normal is whatever norms society has put in place. Set. Ooh, that's smart. Girl. Probably, that's probably what the word means, honestly. <laughs> it derives from norms. And here we are trying to norms. guess our little bit. Whatever norms society has <laughs> drilled into your brain as their expectations, that's what normal is. And we said expectations is a no-go. It's another no-go word. So I think let's talk about feelings. Ooh. Ooh, feelings. Speaking, like, feelings to me, when I think of feelings, I always make reference to that movie, Inside Out. Right. I love that movie. I think we probably talked about movie. it in another episode. I think we mentioned that already. It's definitely the therapist movie. Like, For sure. I know that a lot of therapists use it very often with the kids. Oh, with kids, I literally use, like, worksheets that have all the feelings from Inside Out. Like, I think, actually, this week, I was still watching a video, like... <laughs> Where they show emotions and then I ask them, like, which one was that one? Yeah. But it is, but because it is a really good movie. So if you haven't out there for whatever reason, you've been living under a rock. You're welcome, Disney. <laughs> and you have Sponsoring you. <laughs> inside Out. It's a really, really good movie to understand feelings, those basic feelings and their function and how they work and why they happen and all those wonderful things yeah i think there's like a fear around feelings um there's this like perception that if you feel angry or sad then you're not doing okay you're like bad mm-hmm. you're wrong or you're less than or I- i'm not really sure what the term would be but there's this conception that like conception misconception no. <laughs> um that like this idea or this belief that if you are angry or sad or whatever connotation of negative means that like you shouldn't feel it and i i've said this before in other episodes and i'm gonna say it again like if you are happy all the time then we need to have sessions with you because you're probably delirious or yeah like you should be able to experience anger and sadness and all of these quote-unquote negative feelings fear disgust like these are important pieces of a healthy brain yeah like i call them well when when i explain that concept of how they all play a role and they're all very much needed as humans um i tend to refer to them more as like uncomfortable emotions like when when i talked about that if if you were to picture feelings in a spectrum right like happiness and content and calm and whatever else and then anger sadness depression mad angry right like all those are like on the negative side of the spectrum Mm -hmm. versus this one's on the positive healthy good feelings good feelings and bad feelings right so i when i explain it to mostly kids i tend to use like uncomfortable because i always explain like they make you feel like yucky, like you don't want to feel them and it's uncomfortable. So I, we talk about like when we experience the most, um, more of the uncomfortable emotions, what are we going to do and what can we do when da 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 da. So yeah. maybe uncomfortable might be helpful. I like uncomfortable because this is your body telling you something needs to change. Mm-hmm. Like if you are scared, this is your body telling you your safety is at risk, you need to get that out, like run for your mm-hmm. life or fight, right? If you're angry, this is your body telling you something about your situation right now is is pushing you to your limit. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think being angry is a response of people not respecting boundaries or pushing you to do something you don't want. Like you're mm-hmm. like, stop yeah. it. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Most of the time, yeah. yeah. Anger is. Yeah. So I think this is your body reacting to, hey, this is not okay. Do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that's why I, I want to move the idea that we have that these are bad or negative feelings in air quotes because mm-hmm. these feelings are necessary for you to move to a positive side or for you to problem solve mm-hmm. like I really like to use this analogy when I talk about safe attachment to my clients and even my coworkers because um, we're talking about taking care of kids right and a lot of times people are like ah, the baby keeps crying and I don't know what to do so I say, okay, so think about your kid learning how to walk. How does the baby tell you that they're afraid of learning how to walk? They cry. That's their way of communicating, right? Like, I'm scared of what we're doing. I think that if I fall, I'm going to die. Like, that's literally like a baby's thought process, right? Mm-hmm. And so your safe attachment, your response to it is comfort. It's okay. You're not going to die. I'm right here. I'm going to catch you if you fall. And then you like move to the other side of the room and then you just allow them to try it out. Mm -hmm. And then once they try it out and they succeed, you're like, yay, you did it. That's safe attachment. I don't really know how I'm going to walk. Like it doesn't require the caregiver to hold their legs to learn how to walk. It literally requires them to be like, it's going to be okay and stand on the other side. That's safe attachment. It's giving you the comfort, the support, the safety for you to feel comfortable in making your own decisions and Mm -hmm. problem solving that area. Mm -hmm. But those uncomfortable feelings is what pushes you to reach out and say, hey mama, or hey caregiver, hey adult, I don't know how to do this, help me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think for me, I dislike conflict, like there's no tomorrow because I never learned how to deal with it. But when it comes to work, when it comes to more of a professional setting where I'm not so emotionally attached, Conflict is an opportunity for a beautiful system to come out of this. Yeah, Yeah, growth. Something amazing is going to come out of this conflict. Mm -hmm. So when you start shifting the way you look at feelings, you start realizing that they're very important. Every Mm -hmm. single one of them. Yeah, you see the value in them, definitely. I think, like you were saying, that survival brain. Anger plays a role. Um, Sadness... I keep thinking of sadness. <laughs> like I see her little blue oh. self and she's so cute. But, but all of those feelings are communicating something. That's like your feedback that something like you were saying in the environment needs to like be adjusted or within yourself or whatever. It's your brain doing its job to keep you alive. Right. That, that unsafe feeling of like, oh, I'm scared. That's your brain doing the job. There is this alarm in our brain that tells us like, eh, danger, you got to do something. If, if that's broken and, and you don't realize you're going to end up in a situation where you can get hurt, right? right. Like you're going to put yourself at risk because you don't, you don't feel that or you've learned to suppress that feeling or to ignore it or whatever. But anger, fear, it's communicating, hey, you better do something. Right. I, I love what you're saying because it reminds me of the perfect kid. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you have the perfect kid. The kid that has straight A's, doesn't talk back. They look down on the floor. They like are quiet. They don't verbalize anything. And you're like, there's nothing wrong with my kid. My kid is perfect. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it turns out this kid has a lot of uncomfortable feelings. 
but the kid realized that by expressing their uncomfortable feeling they would get a consequence or something bad would happen or there's like this fear right that if they verbalize whatever it is they're feeling or if they express their emotion at any point it's gonna turn into something bad they just shut down and they suppress everything and then they turn into this perfect kid mm -hmm. and so you hear a lot of times even in my work I hear people say well if they behave well and they do well, then they don't need my help or my support or anything. That's mm. a good kid. Yeah. Uh, when in reality, just because someone is behaving okay or doing okay, doesn't necessarily mean that they are processing emotion adequately. As right. a matter of fact, it might mean the entire opposite. Like they're just internalizing everything and it's just a freaking time bomb that's waiting to be, to explode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, like, that example that you're using, like, of, of a teen, especially if it's a teenager, because at that time, their brain is very black and white, and it's a lot of conflict, and it's a lot of fight, push of that power figure, whatever they see as the power and authority figure. If they're not fighting you, something is wrong at that age, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's completely normal. That's why most of us probably experience, to an extent, of course, um, some mother or father figure and teen conflict if you're a teenager you're gonna get on your parents nerves and yeah like this is nerves. when you start creating independence right so you're supposed to start questioning everything your parents are doing if mm -hmm. you have like meat eaters in the house you're gonna see this is the time frame where you're probably gonna see a lot of teenagers talking about being vegan and <laughs> the power of vegetables and arguing with every family member about how they're wrong <laughs> right? Like, I think I, I yeah. used to work at Applebee's for the longest time, and they had a sign that said, go ahead, teenager, move out of the house and do everything now that you know everything. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> like, teenagers really do think they know more than the adult. Right. That's typical. That's a typical brain behavior. That conflict is supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. They're navigating how to set boundaries with other people in the outside world. Mm -hmm. How They're to communicate. Yeah, and if they don't ever get into any sort of conflict or argument, they're never going to learn how to do it effectively and in a healthy, helpful manner. Or set boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are so important. Yes, they are, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Same for like a baby. When you were talking about attachment, um, I read this book on trauma about, and it explains literally that concept, how a baby that's neglected, and that again, there is a cultural piece to it, especially in the Mexican culture of the whole like, oh, don't pick up the babies. Se van a ser braceros. So they're going to get used to being held all the time and they're going to cry. Uh, but that's the baby communicating, hey, something's wrong. Either like I'm hungry, my diaper is full of shit, like bruises. <laughs> I don't have diapers, thanks. Uh, or I'm hungry or my tummy hurts, whatever. Right? But the baby is telling us something, and as the caregiver doesn't attend to their need, they really quickly learn, like, all right, well, what's the point? This is just going to hurt my little lungs, and nothing happens, and I'm just going to shut up. And then parents are like, he's such a good baby. He never cries. Well, no shit. <laughs> he never attended to his, his or needs. her needs. Yeah. And now they have, even at that very young age, they've learned to adapt of, like, I'm not going to just sit here and cry and get tired. What's the point? Nobody's ever going to come to my attention. Fast forward 30 years, you have a grown-ass woman that doesn't know how to communicate her needs because what's the point? Nobody ever listened to her needs. Nobody ever came to her rescue or whatever. 
So that's what we have. We have grown big babies that don't know how to communicate their needs because they never learned that safe attachment. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think as, as much as we talk about like the safe attachment and things like there's like this perceived fear of trauma. So, oh my God, triggers. Oh no, let's not trigger Nancy. Like, <laughs> oh, trauma. Oh my God, you're traumatized. Pobrecito. I think it's very important for us to know that just because you've experienced trauma doesn't necessarily mean you need therapy. Like, you are able to mitigate trauma. You can go through a traumatic experience, and if you have a safe attachment with your caregiver, your adult, then you might be able to process the trauma and mm -hmm. figure out how to, like, adapt it, mm -hmm. right? And, and you might just be fine. Like, you might even get to a point where you forgot that happened, mm -hmm. right? And then somebody brings it up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I did see that. Mm -hmm. You're right. We did get in a car accident when I was 10. But I, I'm okay. Like, I'm not afraid of cars or anything like that. Like, my mom made sure that we were safe. I have a very vivid memory of a client um, who survived sexual trauma. And, you know, therapy, X, Y, and Z. There wasn't any symptoms that were, that I was scared for her well-being. Like, it was just kind of like, she's okay. Like, it, it was like, okay. And I'm like, okay, do I need to dig deeper or what? So I keep digging, 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 which for therapies, digging means like processing, asking questions, asking for more. Mm -hmm. And when she finally like discloses the whole nine yards, she was telling me her mother responded in such a protective manner mm -hmm. when she found out like, and I'm not going to go into details because I'm not putting anyone on blast. I'm just going to leave it up in the air. Mm -hmm. But the response of the parent validated a lot of what happened, mm. supported her through this mm. and continued that support that for her, it was like, yeah, it's not my fault. It's fault of the abuser and mm -hmm. shame on them for doing that. And it is what it is. And she was fine. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think like sometimes a lot of times we hear trauma and we're like, it's someone's traumatized we need to come in and we need to fix it well a big recipe for trauma is safe attachment and love mm -hmm. yeah if you're able to process all your crap with a loved one if you're able to have that support system then your brain starts learning oh it's okay to feel vulnerable this person's gonna love me regardless yeah oh it's okay to feel what i'm feeling let's look at it in a different perspective and i think i talked about it a little bit in our last session, in our last session, in our last episode about like creating new neural pathways when you're in therapy because you reframe things, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But the neural pathways don't get like actually built and amazingly like connected until you actually experience it. Mm -hmm. And so like when I, when you go through some tough shit and then here I am as your friend and I support you through it, your brain says, oh, I am loved. I am worthy to feel how I'm feeling. I am worthy for a second chance, da, 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 because I was physically there supporting you through that. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And I always try to explain that to people too, like not only my clients in their individual sessions, but to their support system, because it's exactly what you're explaining, how a lot of the healing and the recovery and the actual outside of session work happens in the context of their environment and their support system, right? So I, most of the time, I mean, really, if not 100% of the time, probably 99.9% .9 of the time, trauma 
happens in the context of a relationship, whether it's something happened to me and then I come and disclose it and then the reaction is horrible and very unhelpful and I shut down. I'm like, oh, so then that must have been there's something wrong with me. Right. Or the abuse happens from someone that I really trusted and knew. So because the trauma is happening in the context of a relationship, the healing is also going to happen in the context of a relationship. Even if it's having that safe, supportive environment and space to heal during a session, it's the outside of session support system and environment that is going to reinforce those neural pathways again in the brain and reinforce that it is okay to trust again. If I have a pretty crappy relationship where I get cheated on and I treat it poorly, my brain learns that I don't get to trust men ever again. So again, or that you're not worthy of of good love love or respect or Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So it's in the context of a healthy relationship that I'm going to heal. Right. No matter how many times my therapist tells me that I'm lovable and that I'm deserving of love and affection until I experience it with someone that's safe and healthy, that's when I'm really going to believe it. And I think like you're hitting on on two points that uh, just today at work, because we're a bunch of nerds, we're discussing this, right? It's a piece of our actually behavior management policy. Um, But we were talking about the importance of safety and love. Mm-hmm. which one goes first can you have love without safety and can you have safety without love and the reality is no like you can't you can't have safety without love because you might be able to be in a safe place but if you don't you're not building that safe connection that connection with somebody it's kind of like well then it's like the rich kid right that gets everything that they ever want but then like their parents don't love them mm-hmm. that like that doesn't really create even safe attachment it's just mm, a safe environment okay, okay. um but then if you have love without safety then that's dv <laughs> domestic violence like and, and we were talking about can you have an attachment that's not secure and the answer is yes there's right. different types of attachments mm-hmm. that can create like this addictive pattern right in the relationship mm-hmm. which i think we talked about in toxic relationships right the, but, the roles and- right but then it's really understanding that that recovery is possible through that attachment, mm-hmm. through that relationship. Yeah. Isolation is not, I think right now, like being single is like the new trendy thing to be. Yeah, we and, said that. <laughs> yeah, and being single is amazing. But if you're isolating yourself, then you're just setting up yourself for failure. Well, and you can be single but still have a support system. Exactly. Right? Like you can have meaningful, safe, loving, loving connections and relationships with people outside of a romantic relationship. We're not saying that. But having that, and I think you even alluded to that on our last episode, which about suicide. I think at one point you literally say, I survived not because I'm brave and I'm strong, but because I had people there that cared enough for me to either call 911 or spend the day with me or check on me or whatever. Right? Again, that support system it's huge and we understand and we've seen it as therapists and mental health professionals that not a lot of people have that basic need i was going to say luxury but i caught myself because good job i'm proud of you it's it's a very basic human need connection the need for connection we are social beings so we understand that listening to this maybe somebody says like well shit i really have nobody that i can trust that's the reality that there are people out there that really genuinely in their core 
believe and probably might be a reality for some of them that really truly they have no one to trust and that they feel safe with and if that's how you're feeling it's time to reach out yeah it's time to reach out and i and i am encouraging that because maybe in your job there's probably not someone that you feel like you can trust or maybe in your personal life you know maybe your family has screwed you over but uh being open to a relationship and i'm not talking about a, a like romantic. romantic relationship i'm talking just relationships in general like being open to having a friendship is gonna really open up the ability for you to maybe trust maybe maybe open up but at least knowing that somebody like cares for you for the sake of caring period mm -hmm. you know it doesn't necessarily mean you need to tell them all the dirtiest little secrets that you've ever had or whatever trust might just mean like hey can i come to you when i feel like shit mm -hmm. yeah or can i get distracted and go out with you without having to talk to you about anything that's going on like i have friends that are just that like we just hang out talk hey dude how you been i've been great okay great let's let's go have fun and we have fun and that's it like <laughs> You know, and then yeah. and then I have my critical thinkers. You're one of those where I can sit here and have theoretical talks about trauma and connection for hours on end. You know, we're <laughs> super boring, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, have you read this book? Yes, bitch. <laughs> But being able to have the different types of friends is important. Right. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, because you are going to have. So if you do find yourself listening to this and trying to figure out who is my one person that is my go to like my goat for me to open up and be there like in an emotional level. If you're having a hard time doing that, that's where it takes that intentional individual effort to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and be willing to get Bumble has friends, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying. You can find friends on Bumble? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, I'm so serious. There's like a side to Bumble that's for friends. Hmm. Legit. But yeah, you can. And there's, I think we said it in some episode sometime about Facebook groups. You can find a group about anything. Oh, yes. If you are into succulents, <laughs> you will find a group on Facebook, group on for, Facebook sure. for sure. So let's, let's move on with therapy. Why? <laughs> therapy. Therapy. Because we were talking about like connections and things that happen mm -hmm. outside of therapy. Like what to expect when you're expecting therapy. <laughs> what to expect when you're expecting um, so I, i mean but i think it's a good point that you're making if you really are struggling to find that someone in the natural organic environment of your everyday life maybe you can start figuring out what's the barrier for that for those connections through a therapeutic relationship which is not a replacement for a natural environment Right. relationship at all right there it's a therapy relationship Guys, it's different but therapists are temporary they're not your friends or your cousins or your lovers that's unethical super all of the above are unethical <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, i think it's important because it might be the space or what you need to figure out why can't i find people to connect why really? do i keep attracting this like horrible ass man <laughs> Like, yeah. Like, what is it about myself that keeps attracting these broken people? Or why can I not be in a healthy friendship? Why do people keep taking advantage of me? Mm -hmm. None of these apply to me at all. Yeah, Sarcasm. They, they don't sound like <laughs> bullet points that you bring into your sessions at all. <laughs> but but what, what, what can you expect, I guess? Like, 
you let's say you know what i'm listening to these crazy women and i am realizing that i have barriers and trusting and there's things that i don't feel comfortable feeling sad because blah 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 or my anger is so out of line i don't know what to do how can i ask for help where where do i go well to, to find your therapist i think we again often make reference to that but it's pretty easy to find a therapist to, to find a therapist period i'm not saying a good match and it's something that someone that's going to work out for you but to literally find a therapist you can find one pretty easily nowadays psychology today is a good one psychology today has a whole directory where you can put it from your location it can narrow it down to whatever if you're looking for a specific um, modality or specific something uh, like if you want a marriage and family therapist you want a social worker you want a psychologist social worker yes um, you can call your insurance and they can if you have behavioral health coverage they can point you in the right direction you can request it with your p primary care doctor say like hey i need i want to see a therapist they can do a referral they can do a referral if you're in school or if your kids are in school you can ask for resources there like we said before we do have a resource uh, highlight on instagram where you can go there and there's numbers and websites that you can do a little more there's research. like online therapy too there's like better help i think the, the company's called or yeah. something like that so you can literally google like online therapy mm -hmm. and you can find an online therapist um i think it's really important therapy is expensive let's be real about it like it is therapy right now i got like the not so expensive one and it's still like a hole in my pocket yeah like and and the only reason why i say that is because there are you could get a therapist that is not as like like an entry-level therapist thank you an entry-level therapist thank you <laughs> i'm like how do i say this in a non-offensive manner it's an it's an entry level we've all been there right yeah and and these are quote-unquote cheaper mm -hmm. um but then again it's entry level so if you're like already known about modalities and blah 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 entry then... level meaning that they probably just graduated with their master's degree um, they, they may or may they, not be licensed. They, yeah, they, they're going through that process or maybe they are even doing their internship hours to graduate. That's entry level. That's like therapist lingo. Yeah. Um, so entry level will mean someone that either just graduated, is going through the licensing process, or it's doing literally the internship to graduate from their Yeah, and, and majority of time, these people have a supervisor. Like, you're not just going to be thrown to the wolves with somebody who doesn't know anything. Right. We all are expected to have a licensed supervisor that has the 1,000 hours behind their belt, under their belt. Yeah, under. Thank you. I mean, they might have a behind, but hey. <laughs> um, and, and so it's not like you're going to bring something up in therapy and they're just going to, like, say whatever they want. Like, they bring it back to their supervisor and says hey i'm dealing with this with this client what do you think my next direction should be right I, we again like tanya said we've all been there mm -hmm. i think to this day we still have supervisors i have a mentor i do who too. i yeah. who i go back to and i'm like i'm stuck in this help yeah. because we're human and that's part of it but then yeah. you have like the intermediate that maybe are already licensed they already completed their hours but they're not like intensely in a modality like married to a modality Modality, we mean like an evidence, I'm going to sound super nerdy, bear with me, an evidence-based practice that they probably paid for and got trained and have supervision hours and yada, yada, yada. And they're not a specialist, we'll say. Mm -hmm. 
those are like intermediate level therapists, mm-hmm. which that's the one that I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And then we have our experts. And so the experts are the ones that go through the evidence-based training. Mm-hmm. They have very specific supervision hours to make sure that they're using that type of therapies by the book. Mm-hmm. We literally have to submit to the Board of Behavioral Health like credit hours that you can do continuing education, however many hours of supervision with your supervisor, group supervision, individual hours, client contact hours. It's, it's super specific. Um, it, I mean, the board is ridiculous with us, I feel. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm going through it and I'm like, oh my God, I hate this. But they really are. But and, then and again, it's valid because it's, it, we're working with people's lives. We have human lives in our hands. I get that. But I mean, it's, but the point is being, it's really intense, but that's what you're paying for at the end of the day. You're paying for someone that has been through the rodeo. They know their shit. They have a lot of training. They have a lot of experience, a lot of supervision. So those tend to be the more expensive on this like sliding scale of therapy cost entry level and then the medium level like medium rare (laughs) (laughs) and then you have your like expert premium your premium cut (laughs) independent practice level therapist well and and that's the thing like it can be really easy that you like run into an expert level therapist and that you're like what 150 dollars a session (gasps) If that's the case, don't worry. There are cheaper options out there. And um, I really want to, like, emphasize on community level. I believe in community level therapy. I work in community level. Tanya works in community level. We are good. (laughs) I think I'm a bomb-ass therapist. What's (laughs) up? Just kidding. (laughs) Um, But we... There are services that will work based on your income. Right. And so let's say if you make X amount of money, they might charge you $20 a session, maybe $40 a session, Mm -hmm. because therapists that work for nonprofits usually get a salary, so we are not condemned by how much you pay an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the times we use insurance, um, and then sometimes we have grants, which I've worked for that, Mm-hmm. We have grants that'll cover specific therapy for specific needs. And when we have grants, all those services are free. Like, again, some, maybe some therapists do like pro bono situation too, where it's like. Yeah, they're doing it out of the kindness of, the kindness of her heart, mm-hmm. which I've definitely done that before. Right, yeah. So look, look it up. It's not like this second level, yeah. unattainable way of seeking help. You can yeah. definitely get. That, and that's what I said last time, and I, and I know you were talking about our chiropractor, but to me, and again, I'm biased because I see the importance and the value of mental health, but it's it just baffles me that it's not covered and it's not more, more um, available for people of every income level. I think anyone should have, if anything, probably the people on the lower socioeconomic status, and this is me generalizing, but with my experience, I've seen that there's higher stress levels. So therefore, the need is there, yet they can't afford it because, well, duh, right? Or they it's can the, afford it's it. It's not a priority. Or, they, or they, they're they under, like, a specific plan, and usually those nonprofits are saturated yeah. with people. Or the waiting line is, like, yeah. three I, months. I've definitely had around 100 cases in my caseload at some point. Oh, yeah. We because have, it's we just saturated, especially if you're bilingual. Like, holy crap. There is a need out there. If anybody out there is listening to this and you're considering going back to school, 
become a let's go <laughs> we need you it's like it's like nurses right like you're always gonna have work yeah so what okay so i heard tanya and dulce's craziness about therapy i'm ready to take the step i called the local clinic talked to my pcp they did a referral now what now you come into my office <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, I'm Tanya. Nice to meet you. Oh, by the way, guys, we do not like dress up the way that they show in the movies. Like, we don't have a couch where you get to lay down and we talk to you. We have a couch for the podcast. <laughs> hey. hey. That's where the name came from. But in reality, I, mean, I don't know. I guess I just assume that people know that, but it is true. Like, maybe when I thought of therapists before I became one, I, I probably picture what we see in movies. And again, novelas, we always reference them. Um, but like how they have like this like therapist with the pencil skirt and the glasses. That's exactly what I was thinking about. With a notepad and you're laying on another couch. It ain't like that. I've done sessions at McDonald's, at Starbucks, oh, for at sure. a park, walking around. Dude, car sessions are the best. That sounds like sex, but that's not. I haven't personal. done car car sessions. I love car sessions because then I'm not seeing the client. We're just oh, driving I, yeah. from point O to point B, mm-hmm. and we're just talking. and And they open up a lot because we're playing like rap music in the background. Yeah. And, I literally yeah. tell parents that, like, hey, like if. For like foundation of relationship building and trust building with your kids, take them on a drive because it's not the eye contact is not there, so it takes away that pressure and they can open up to you and talk. I just haven't done it myself because I don't for sure. move clients in my car. I used to a long time ago, but yeah, I, I try not to because it scares me. You're so safe. I know. So sue me. <laughs> sue me. <laughs> sue me. So um, I think what is important to know. Well, if you were to literally, like, if, if you really want to get a, a very good picture of what to expect, if you're really maybe considering this as an option, just know that probably the first couple of sessions are going to be very boring, very boring because it's like the paperwork, talking a little bit into why you're there, the history, the consent forms, confidentiality, HIPAA, and all this wonderful paperwork stuff that we have to do coming up with a treatment plan for goals so that we have some sense of direction of where we're going with services. So a lot of the initial sessions, it's a lot of report building, a lot of trust building. This is a stranger, guys, that you're going to go talk to about your most secret, important, important pieces of your life. Things. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's going to take a minute for you to. Yeah, I feel like that's really important. A lot of times, like I have friends that have gone to therapy and they say, Well, we don't talk about anything. Uh, you're not supposed to in the first three to four sessions. You're kind of just sitting there figuring out why you're here mm-hmm. and why you want to do this and what is it that brought you here. Maybe your history. Are you the one of five, the oldest? How long have you been in mm-hmm. the States? Yada, yada. Like whatever we might think is pertinent to what is affecting you right now. Right. So they might be asking about your mom and your dad and your siblings. And they also tend to, well, I do, and I think most of them do, but we tend to also talk a lot about your own strengths, like mm-hmm. especially if you use a very strength-based approach to uh, therapy because we want to get to know how you've gotten through life so far if you indeed are struggling with being human what other things do you have in there under your belt already that we can pull from 
right? Like how can right. we incorporate those strengths and qualities and great things about you into whatever we're going to work on? So there is definitely going to be some uh, talking about that. I think the our number one focus is safety. Yeah. So we constantly go back to who can you call? Mm -hmm. What can you do? Like maybe it might seem annoying because you're over here like pouring your heart about this really tough thing. And then your therapist would be like, so what are you going to do when you feel like this at home? And you're like, oh, fucking no, lady. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why I'm here. But the reason why we ask that is because we really want to push you to start critically thinking about things. If I am no longer your therapist next week, can you problem solve this on your own? Mm -hmm. And that sometimes makes people crazy because they're like, I want you to give me all the answers. And I expect you to have a magic wand and solve my life by third session. Not going to happen, guys. A lot of... Therapy is having you come up with those answers yourself. Mm -hmm. So we ask annoying questions like, so how does that make you feel? Ugh, the dreaded therapy session question, right? Yeah. <laughs> or how, how do you think you can problem solve that differently next time? Why do you time? think that is? Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> that question on itself can be pretty triggering for people. But I mean... I think we, and again, that is the problem. We started this um, episode talking about how like society rushes us through through our emotions and get over it. Or you have to get better. You have to be strong. Function, 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 go, function, go, go, function. Go, go. We expect that we go to a therapy session and we're expect we're expecting to be told what to feel and what to do and how to fix the problem, right? So, guys, it's not going to be like that. It's a process, and it is a lot of us just guiding you through your own inner strengths and coming up with those answers on your own. Because we know you have it. It's in there. We all have our own answers. We're, we are the experts at our life. When you come to see me as your therapist, I don't know crap about you. You're the expert. You're going to drive this bus, and you're going to tell us where to go. I'm going to kind of, like, be guiding you there and kind of, like, pulling that stop sign as needed and sitting there and talking about things and whatnot. But you're the expert. You know more about your life and about where you're heading in this journey of life than I do. So be patient in that process. Yeah, I think this is the one space where you get to, I say this to every single one of my clients, like here you can curse all you want. You can tell me I'm Hell ineffective. Yeah. You can tell me I'm like the worst person in the world ever. You can you can pretty much do whatever you want in this space because this is your space. And nothing that you tell me, number one, is going to affect me. And number two, I'm going to go and tell anybody else. Right. Um, I think like the really wonderful thing about therapy is like you can really, really give your dirty little secrets to everybody dirty in that room. Secret, dirty little secret. That song is... I see that. <laughs> um, and and it's there's no fear in that. Like, you can literally just say, like, oh, my God, last night I had this horrible urge of, I don't know, self-harming, and mm -hmm. this is how I reacted. And the therapist can say, like, so what about that? And, it, and if you say, I am so freaking tired of you asking me that fucking question every time, you need to stop. Like, mm -hmm. as therapists, we're going to be like, okay, I need to not ask that. Mm -hmm. So tell me more. Mm -hmm. right like we'll literally sit there and just take it and be like thank you for being honest about it tell me what else i need to do like with with boundaries of, of course. course um i want to make sure that you guys are not gonna cuss out your therapist and be disrespectful and be um 
I don't know what's the word condescending or whatever right like it, of course like everything in life there's boundaries so your your therapist is going to set their boundaries in, individually we're talking from our personal experience i tend to be like you too i'm like super chill like i tell my clients like hey i might even cuss myself for like uh sound effects or what's the word like for emphasis like if i'm really trying to convey uh, something and i need to say the word fuck i'm gonna say it right like but so I, i'm pretty honest about that with my clients up front like hey you can cuss here it's a safe space no judgment whatsoever at times it's gonna be me the one that gets really passionate and want to cuss and it, it's all good we're, we're it's a safe space i mean i really don't do that as much but sometimes it is like oh wow it sounds like i was pretty fucking heavy like no shit you're tired like right? yeah like, and i think it's important to uh, a big piece of therapy is understanding our clients culture too because if you say like i'm not okay with cussing then we course. as therapists need to like respect that right. but it's like when we say it's all about you we really mean it's all about you like mm -hmm. you are the one that comes to therapy and says I want to work on my Anger. horrible habit of washing laundry with bleach. Like, it could be something so ridiculous that we'd sit there and be like, okay. And I guarantee you that Tanya just thought about the same thing I thought. I'm like, well, what is it about you that really has you concerned about this bleach that it, like, took you to come to <laughs> therapy? Like, we will literally read in between the lines for mm -hmm. everything. Like, are we maybe dealing with somebody who has OCD? Like, what, yeah. what is going Why on is there? problematic? Right, right, exactly. And that's our job. Our job is to kind of like bring the extra lens to the mix. Like, mm -hmm. therapy doesn't have to be hardcore trauma processing. If you're not ready to process trauma, we're not gonna push you to process it. Mm -hmm. I, I often highlight that idea of how as a society we are really big on that stranger danger mentality right like we are because told, of ted bundy that's right but we are told from day one as kids and even growing up and i'm, I'm in middle school and i'm walking to school my parents are gonna say like oh be careful da, da. so this idea of like strangers are dangerous don't trust them and, and be be safe and be like put your guard up Yet, we are expecting you to come to a stranger's office or allow a stranger to come into your home and just be completely chill and comfortable. That doesn't make sense, mm -hmm. right? So I, I, I like to say that to my clients so that it normalizes that idea that it's going to take a while for you to feel comfortable and to truly be willing and able to open up about the more deeper stuff because it, it is a human reaction how human of you that you don't trust me like that's totally cool i would be really worried if you just open up to me and be like let me tell you about my abuse when i was three years old like well what like you don't have any boundaries like that's concerning right so, but again it's a judgment-free zone yeah so if you do do that we will probably sit there and be like, wow, you have right. a lot to say. Mm -hmm. Let me figure out how I'm going to guide this person to realize that that's not appropriate with strangers. Right, that you don't get on the bus or, your, or to your Uber and then just tell them your life story. Right. right. Like you, and we'll get there when we get there. Like, mm -hmm. like when you say something, we really like are taking notes of what you're saying because mm -hmm. we're like, oh, maybe they're thinking this, but they're not able to see that there's this curve over here, right? Like you're driving your bus, mm -hmm. like the analogy you used and we like put little stop signs. We're also your rear view mirrors. Mm -hmm. We say like, oh, there's a curve over there, careful. 
because a lot of the times the reason why you are kind of like in the place that you are is because you're only seeing things in tunnel vision. Right. You're not realizing the other. So the therapist is the one that comes in and kind of gives you that nudge of like, eh, you don't want to move to that lane right now. You have a car right next to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and really providing that. I think like the big, the big bugs for me is let's stay away from the, like the idea that therapy is the scary thing. This is yeah. a place where you get to be whoever you want to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's an and it's an uncomfortable space. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Like that's the tagline of our podcast. Let's get hint, uncomfortable, hint, hint. right? And especially in therapy, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable at some point. Maybe not the first couple of sessions, but eventually it is going to require you getting uncomfortable. But hopefully by that point, it is a space where you feel safe and be okay being vulnerable but it is going to take some vulnerability for you if you really want to make this work for therapy yeah i think um number one and the most important like you have to be honest man like if your therapist says hey your therapist says hey i really want to revisit some of your childhood trauma and your brain's like fuck no Please say that. Or you're still very much in that mentality that you don't want to put your business out there because what happens at home stays at home and you come from a culture that you don't want to put some maybe part of you feels like that's my mom's business and I don't want to bring it up and I don't want to paint my mom to be this horrible person. Say it. You're not being honest. Yeah. Like, you can 100% tell your therapist, I don't feel comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And we're probably going to say why. Yeah. And, and then once you tell us why, we're like, uh, okay, note taken. Because later on, you're going to do the same thing again in session. And I'll be like, oh, I remember that one session that you did this too. Mm-hmm. Is this maybe a response for you keeping safe? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? So I think that's, that's the, the reality of therapy. Like, you will get pushed to kind of look at things in a different manner. But we're never doing it without considering safety first. Right. Mm-hmm. And boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um we want to make sure that we said it earlier and i think we have to say it again the Mm -hmm. processing is gonna happen outside of session yeah like i learned something about my own cognitions in my last session and they didn't get into practice until i started talking to all my friends about it Mm -hmm. like i learned x y and z right right and then X, Y, and Z didn't get applied right away. It happened like the day after with my significant other. Mm-hmm. And then the day after that with you. And the day after that with my other friend. And the day after that with my other friend. Like process, like your brain doesn't create neural pathways by talking about it. It reinforces by experience. Mm-hmm. So the work majority of the time has to be done outside of therapy. Yeah, even if you do go to therapy and you have this successful, amazing session where you came up with a lot of realizations and rewired a lot of things in your brain during the hour or so that session specifically it is outside that takes the really hard intentional work to make those changes and to implement the things that whatever you talk about and my therapist says like hey tanya this is what we're working on and we come to the realization that i'm horrible at setting boundaries with people and I let people walk all over me next thing you know three days after my session I am talking to Dulce and she's like oh hey 
like, I don't know, I'm going to take this shirt. And, like, I, I was planning on wearing that shirt tomorrow for my, like, for my work or whatever. You don't have and to I'm like, excuse why. Yeah, you and I'm like, just oh, oh wearing it. sure. And I'm like, ah, right? But if I said, like, oh, actually, I was planning, I have this other one. You can take this one, but I'm actually going to need that one. I mean, it's a really silly example, but it's that me outside of therapy being intentional about setting boundaries and not just like, okay, dulce, like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. You or, take the shirt. Or, and, and the other token is, or not being able to set boundaries and then paying attention why you didn't com feel comfortable setting mm -hmm. boundaries. And then coming to session and saying, hey, I know we talked about boundary setting, but I failed miserably at it on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and that is really helpful for us therapists. Mm -hmm. Because then we start digging deep on what were you feeling? What were you thinking? Like, what happened when Dulce came and took your shirt? Yeah. Well... I guess I was a little bit afraid of her reaction. Why? Why were you afraid? Was she going to hit you? Was she going to bite you? Was she going to... No, I just really want her to be my friend. Mm -hmm. And you're probably going to hear your therapist say, sounds like there's some fear of abandonment there. <laughs> right? Like, fuck you, therapist. You're right. <laughs> But those, the, the fails are actually the ones that give me more information. Mm -hmm. It's good feedback, just like those right. emotions, right? It's okay. Because you're not gonna nail it right in the head with one session. No, we're talking about years and years and years of your brain doing the same patterns and you making the same choices and those connections in your brain. So it's gonna take more than just a couple of sessions for you to be like an expert at boundary setting. We're human. We're gonna have days where I'm I really super wish stressed. you guys would have seen her hand when she did that. <laughs> it was like the Boundary I'm working setting. hard, working empowered hard. woman. Yes, but Boundary setting expert. <laughs> but I really like your point of like being honest, even if we talk about like, hey, Dulce. Okay, so this is what you're gonna do, and we come up with the plan outside of session, and and then if you when you quote unquote fail miserably come back and tell me like that shame of like oh i messed up i'm not gonna tell my therapist she gonna be pissed right like no be We honest never pissed because then at that point it's like the therapist is working harder than you are and that's a recipe for disaster and then you're gonna leave with the bad taste of saying like therapy doesn't work and your therapist is not your mother to approve or disapprove of your actions mm -hmm. Or your Say significant other, or whatever. The your therapist is not your mother or significant others to approve or disapprove of your actions. You can literally say, like, I did 20 lines of coke yesterday. I'm still coked out. Definitely has happened in my sessions. And I'm like, today is not a good idea for therapy. Let me know when you're sober. Come back later. Here's some munchies so you can sober up. Like, there's really that, like, I, I can't sit there and be like, how dare you show up to my session coked out? As a matter of fact, I'm flattered that you feel comfortable in coming this vulnerable, fucked up state to me <laughs> and think that it's fuck. safe. Like, yeah, like, to me, that's a response of safety. Like, mm -hmm. if, if one of my clients comes up high to session, I'm like, wow, you have no shame. <laughs> and I am very proud of you for having no shame with me because I don't want to feel you shamed. I don't want to make you feel guilty mm -hmm. or ashamed to show me the dirtiest parts of your life, yeah. not sexually dirtiest as in right the, you know relapse your human struggles yeah. right right so i'm like okay well right now we're not gonna problem solve but you are more than welcome to come back tomorrow mm -hmm. again judgment free imagine very... but with that imagine how many times that person has been shamed for relapsing and for being human and for quote-unquote failing right 
So the moment you have finally a space where you're like, you're not mad at me that I relapse? And you're like, how human of you. <laughs> it's so freaking annoying, so therapeutic. But it's like, then maybe that's the one thing that is going to help your client be like, oh, shit, there is people out there that are not going to shame me. Like, you never know. Right. Right. So you have to be, we, we definitely want to encourage you guys to go through your journey as therapists, right? Like we're not going to, we're Our not job, there to fix yeah. it. We're not there to make it better. We're not there to shame you to point fingers or to judge you for whatever. We're just here to sit along your side in your journey. And That's provide a job. safe space for healing. Yeah. So if at any point you do feel like we're not doing that, definitely let your therapist know. And let's normalize the fact that you're not supposed to be a perfect match with your therapist. Like, I have a friend who ended up going to therapy, and then she realized she didn't like the therapist, and for X and Y reason, and I'm like, girl, get out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, this is going to create more trauma right. than, than fixing yes. the issue. So if, if you and your therapist are just not connecting because we are human, we're not machines, you can change it. You can say, look, honey... I appreciate you, but you're just not the one for me. Like, I could not be with a therapist that's passive. I'm going to walk all over her. Mm -hmm. My therapist needs to call me out of my shit. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I can't, I can't be with someone that's like, oh, that sounds hard. <laughs> Bitch, I know it sounds hard. What you think I'm telling you for? <laughs> like, what you I'm, think I'm here for? <laughs> I, know, like, I know it's hard. I'm the one living it, asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> but if I, if I say something really tough and they're like, Thank you so much for having that trust. I'm like, all right, you're welcome. I do what I can for the community. <laughs> but I really do need a therapist that's able to see me eye to eye of these things and that's able to push me. Mm -hmm. If I get a therapist that's just here to check the boxes because that's what it is like. Yeah. And, and that's fair. And, and that process might take a little bit of time for you to realize like, yeah, I keep trying and it really, I don't feel like it's going anywhere. I feel like I am whatever it's not a good match it's okay we're not always going to be a good match for everybody i mean we're only human and, and again we personality wise are temporary yeah you're like, not supposed to have a therapist forever you're supposed to be able to problem solve <laughs> on your own you're not supposed to depend on a person to tell you what to do when you're in a fucked up situation yeah our goal as much as we always say that we love the idea of having ongoing mental health and support and being able to go back to your therapist the moment you need them, realistically speaking, we do want you to fire us, to say like, hey, I I'm good. Like, I think I got it. Let me try it. And of course, we want to make sure that we have a healthy relationship. So if when shit hits the fan again, you feel safe that you can fall right back on that safety net and go back to like, whoa, things just got out of control. Let's figure it out again. And then we put back the training wheels, we figure it out, and then we send you out on your own. Um, but yeah, the goal is to always not need a therapist for the rest of your life. I think realistically speaking, about a year, year and a half therapy is like... I, I really hate timelines for therapy. I, I really do too. Do. I do too. But I, I want to normalize for the people that are not used to therapy... Like, if you've been going to a therapist for three months and it doesn't feel like it's working out, but you see that you're starting to make some connections, you're probably on the right path. 
Like, let's normalize. Like, you're not, I think an unrealistic expectation is for you to come to therapy for one month and expect for it to just work. Oh, no. Because that's like four sessions. And like, not said, even. The, the first couple are going to be like nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I think like maybe six months, a year, two years. Some people can be in therapy for three years, depending on how intense yeah. the trauma is. That's why I said like it's a, it's a very individual. That's why I don't like timelines, because it's a very individual thing. And again, we are working with the whole stranger danger thing. So even the whole process of you trusting me might take months depending on how much shit you've been through as far as like people betraying your trust, it's going to take a minute for you to finally trust me. And then it's going to take another minute to help with that self-regulation and, and um, stability piece. And then the trauma processing. Well, and then, and then like when you're doing processing trauma or when you're processing anything, there's times that you just don't want to see your therapist. So we might see you MIA for a couple months and then you come back. Yeah. Like that's, that's okay. It's, we are expecting that. Like if we have a, a, ther uh, client that's like to the t for an entire year we're like all right we're decreasing your sessions this is a lot <laughs> because we're expecting you to cancel every so often mm -hmm. to not talk to me when you're angry because i pushed you a little bit too much on the last yeah. session and there is um i mean not to get into a lot of detail but the stages of change they they fluctuate too it's not like i'm in that um denial piece and then i'm the ready And then I'm the commitment, but then from commitment, I go right back to denial. And it's like this wonderful dance that we go through as humans. So it's okay. Maybe as a client, you're going to come in. All right, I'm ready to do it. And then a shit hits the fan and we're really digging deep. You're like, oh, never mind. And the wall goes right up. And yeah, it's okay. because uh, there's been this connotation that sadness and anger and any kind of feelings are negative so i'm not gonna feel them let me shut down and let me relapse back to mm -hmm. whatever it is that i was facing when i initially came to therapy or you get frustrated because we're not telling you what to feel and what not to feel or what to do right you're like oh like this it sucks therapy doesn't work for me because they're not telling me what to feel well we're never going to tell you what to feel So, a matter of fact we're going to normalize all your feelings <laughs> and validate <laughs> might not hate me but hey what we're trying to say i guess is when it comes to therapy for it to be successful you have to own the process you have to really take that wheel on that bus <laughs> i was gonna sing the song um yeah take it where you want to go if you don't like something speak up hopefully you have a therapist that is going to be really Uh, flexible and understand that concept that this isn't about them and they're not gonna take it personal but you gotta speak up you gotta be assertive you gotta say what you need if it's not a good match it's okay give it another shot with someone else uh, know kind of where you're heading what you would like to accomplish There's tons of different modalities out there but for you know therapy. What? Even if you don't know what you want to accomplish, but you know that something's wrong. Right. Like some sense of direction. Maybe you don't know specifically what the issue is like to put your finger on one specific problem. But I think that it's helpful in that healing process to kind of be like, hey, I'm here because I don't know what the fuck's going on in my life. Yeah. That's I've been attracting crappy guys for the last two years. What's wrong with me? <laughs> What's wrong with my vagina and what it's attracting? Just kidding. <laughs> but really, like, sometimes you don't have the answers, but just having the question. Yeah. Like, I've been sad for the last three weeks and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. yeah. And everything in my life is perfect. Help. 
Is it though? I know, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, uh, let's really focus on having you guys reach out. I think that's the big purpose of this of this episode. Normalize your emotions. Normalize all the feelings that you have going on. Part of having feelings is being human. Let's celebrate the fact that you have sadness and anger and disgust and fear because those feelings are what are keeping you safe and they're what's making you human. If you didn't have them, you're probably a psychopath. So, you know, guilt, shame, anger, depression, like all of these things are are things that are reminding you that you're human and mm-hmm. humans are amazing and it's feedback at the end of the day for me i think it's it is feedback if you find yourself very irritable and angry and on edge for the past two weeks that's your body your mind your heart your soul giving you feedback of hey something in your life is not okay and and it's okay to simmer in that yuckiness and try and figure it out but if we're so like quick to solve it and fix it and quote unquote get over it or get better or be strong or whatever society tells us to do or culture and Move go on. go 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 that that per, like uh produce produce, produce and society. function mm-hmm. yeah then we're gonna shut down our emotions and, and what happens is your body starts responding to it with rashes <laughs> and stomach aches and throwing headaches, up migraine. headaches migraines like some people even get like flu-like symptoms, but it's just their body saying like, homie, you need to go to sleep like three Breaking days ago. Out. Breaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so your body keeps score. It's an amazing book. If you guys have a chance yeah. to read it, the body, uh, the body keeps score. Um, it'll really tell you like sickness comes from unresolved generational trauma. Like, mm-hmm. so when you internalize stuff and you don't process all those emotions and you continue to use that shame and guilt and lack of boundaries and whatever, and you keep internalizing it, your body's going to pop. You might not pop emotionally, but I guarantee you, your body's going to be like, okay, this is not working out. Mm -hmm. I am making you sick because you need to go to sleep and boom, migraine. Yeah. So, or, or the quality of life, just in general, like your relationship, you find yourself always surrounded by drama and yuckiness and flaky people. Popped and people. tires. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but it, I mean, pay attention to those things. I honestly, again, I'm biased, but I think all of us. Can benefit from going to therapy yeah for sure even if you feel like your life is solid there is still maybe something that you can do to better make it yourself even better or yeah prepare yourself or learn i always highlight that too when things are going good let's pay attention to what's going good so that we can continue that um and use it for a rainy day right yeah there was a there was a meme at one point about like that I really like that something about like people that go to therapy are not like weak or something like it's actually like strong people. It takes a really strong person to realize, hey, I need help. I don't have all the answers. Let me. Yeah, we talked about that doing suicide, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to like sending that text. I need help takes like a lot of courage. And sometimes most of the time the people in therapy are going to therapy to deal with the people in their life that don't want to go to therapy. 
you hear that? If you find yourself needing to go to therapy to deal with the shit from the people around you that don't want to go to therapy. No shade. No shade. 100% shade. I'm going to drop the mic on that one. <laughs> I, think we reached, I think we reached our point now. I am stopping you right there. Just kidding. Wow, this is the first time I stop you with your talk. I'm kind of proud. Time. We switched roles for a little it bit. It could be the wine, honestly. It could be the wine. Keep it could be the pop tires in the last week. I don't know. Frustration. I'm on edge. The people. shit you're <laughs> shitting, you're sitting on. I mean, my shit. What is it? Your pile. Somebody of shit. shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, like please, please, please. Yeah, but hopefully, reach out. yeah, hopefully through this conversation, you guys really embrace that whole mentality of be human feel your emotions all of them in the spectrum no shame in any of them they also serve a purpose they are all communicating something to you whether it's positive or negative or helpful or unhelpful listen to that pay attention go to therapy go outdoors yeah the brain regulates with the outdoor there's like a actual connection go outside for sure. Get some trees in your the life. The weather is good. Hug better. a tree. Okay, Hug a that, tree that, that's with bare borderline. feet. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that is borderline pushing it for me. I don't know. She's, she's so we should have stopped where you said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed our episode today. We really wanted to make it lighthearted and very therapy-based because we always talk about it, but we don't say what is it yeah. or how we get there. So mm-hmm. I hope that this served its purpose and guiding you through that yeah let us know i mean definitely we don't have a ton of dms for sure so if you do need some sort of direction of like hey where do i go to find a therapist let us know we are at a point where we probably can manage (laughs) replying to your dms at this point so definitely um use us as your resource for now as far as directing you to where to go and that resource page on instagram is helpful we talked about a research page on Facebook, we still haven't gotten to it. I know. Eventually, Dulce will get to it because she's the one running on Facebook. The Facebook. Yeah, I'm learning how to edit an episode now, so I think I'm moving up the ladder here. Yeah, I, I might be. Of- I might be the president of the company at this point. I don't know. All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, before she gets, before her head gets any bigger, thank you for listening. Follow us on social media. We do have a Twitter now. What? I know. I started See how the CEO doesn't communicate <laughs> with the president? Well, I, I was bored the other day, so I started it. Eh. But, I mean, if you're on Twitter, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let us know any feedback, any ideas that you want for topics. The elephant on the couch. We appreciate you. We are so happy you're listening. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your week or whatever it is that you might be listening to at this point (laughs) thank you guys bye Bye. thank you for listening we hope this was the start of the conversation for you and know that you're not alone in whatever journey you're walking we know these discussions might bring up some challenging emotions or thoughts so please remember that although this is a safe space to start your healing process it is not meant as a replacement for therapy So please reach out and seek professional help. You're not alone. Don't be scared to sit with your elephant on the couch. Until next time.